It's September 29, 2019. The Antonio Brown saga continues. A.B., A.B., going to show some love to MacGyver for holding it down for the culture. Also going to go across the lines with Dobie Gillis and Zach Morris. And hater appreciation for Heather Patton out in Los Angeles, California. Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture podcast where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. We're on a first name basis now. Tell Florence I said what's up. You also get to hear about things I don't like. Like you MAGA hat wearing, Trump supporting fucks. Love to show your pink assholes out in public. What's up, everybody? I am your bastard of ceremonies. One gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, Reefer Sutherland, Steve G. And this is Over the Culture. So another week has gone by and the UAW and General Motors strike is still continuing. They still haven't came to an agreement. And because of that, I went another whole week without working. But I got a call from the temp agency here in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. And I got a call from the temp agency in Fremont. And they found me something here in Sandusky to hold me off until... Uh, everything is settled with the strike and everything. Going to be doing some work around the marina, getting paid the same, uh, working around the docks here in Sandusky, working first shift, which, you know, it's not my preference. I'm not a morning person, but hey, you know, take what you can get. So working from seven to four, starting tomorrow, just hoping that this UAW General Motors strike can come to a conclusion consistency you know three days into the new job and then you know we're affected by this strike and what I've found out is the strike is not for the regular workers not for the full-time employees the strike is for the temporary employees so it's the temporary employees the temp workers that they're picketing for and they're wanting better benefits they're wanting better pay and i'm kind of torn because yeah i want to stand in solidarity with the with the laborers but at the same time this is for the temp people i I, like i i wasn't even aware of the fact that the temp people had benefits i thought that was a part of paying your dues you you don't get what the full-time people get until you're hired full-time Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I thought all of the picketing and the marching or whatever, I thought that was for the people who are who've been there for years, not for the people who've been there just for what, a couple months. So yeah, I, I'm torn, you know, I'm I'm like fifty fifty on it. I, I feel like, yeah. I, I'm I'm sure whatever this is about, it's it's valid. But after hearing about it being for the temporary workers, the temps I don't know. Like, you can't be serious. Like, don't they tell you up front what this is? Like, how much you're going to get, everything that you're going to get? 
Now, I don't want to turn this into a woe is me. I'm thankful that I'm employed somewhere. But let's get this shit together, Strike. Union. People. In the latest misadventures of Takashi 69 uh, apparently he's turning down witness protection, but rather prefers 24-hour security. And I don't know what the difference is. Maybe witness protection, they're requiring him to laser off all of his face tattoos, change his hair. I don't know. Maybe this is his last ditch attempt at getting some street cred in the industry. But that ship has sailed. Maybe this is a last ditch attempt to keep his career afloat. That ship has sailed. At this point, we figure no one wants to be associated with you. No one wants to do a collab. No one wants to take a picture with you. You've become synonymous with Radden. That whole story is a tragic travesty of a comedy. Takashi 69 is someone who bought into the gangster lifestyle when he didn't have to. Uh, he did it for clout, for industry clout, for street cred, to make himself look good, to make himself look bigger than who he is, to, than what he is. But at the same time, he didn't realize that there's consequences and repercussions to this. When you're aligning yourself and associating yourself with people who are really out there in those streets doing dirt all day, every day, you'd be a fool to think that you could get out of it scot-free, to just make it through life and not get any of that dirt on you, on your name on your record the great paul mooney once said everybody want to be a nigga don't nobody want to be a nigga and this is a prime example of that you want to blood this and blood that nigga this and nigga that all in the videos all on the songs gangsta this you're g you're such a g but when the shit hits the fan these vince mcmahon's turn to chris Kattan. SNL reference for you SNL nerds speaking of SNL who saw SNL season premiere last night it's hosted by Woody Harrelson musical guest Billy Eilish I kind of glossed over the musical guest but uh, from what I saw the episode was decent uh, I missed the last couple episode or last couple skits because I, I passed out my buddy came in town and uh, he brought me an edible it was a brownie and it was probably the best brownie I ever had and I guess I wasn't supposed to eat the whole thing but I ate the whole thing and by midnight I was on my ass but yeah the season premiere for Saturday Night Live was last night and I'm looking forward to this season this is going to be the first time that Eddie Murphy's going to host uh, since I believe 1984 when he was a cast member and really just seeing Eddie do anything comedy related lately is special because he's kind of a private celebrity kind of an aloof person so yeah I'm looking forward to that I believe it's going to be one of the October episodes I have to look into that yeah shout out to my buddy uh, not going to put his name out there but yeah yeah he stopped by yesterday we caught up been a good friend of mine since junior high and he's got the medical card um, you know, it's, it's legal up there in Michigan. So he's got some spots, found, found some good edibles and yeah, man, smoked a nice joint. It's called a home blend and had some, some brownies, some, some of those edible brownies. And I, I get impatient with edibles. If I don't feel anything immediately, I'll just go ahead and eat the whole thing. And 
That's what happened last night. Really, the brownie was just that good. I just couldn't pace it. I inhaled the brownie. One gulp. I tried to take just like a little pinch and eat that, but that would not suffice. I had to just keep digging into that bag until the brownie was no more. Speaking of food, for my fellow Ohio citizens, if you're considering doing DoorDash, don't. Last Tuesday, I went to Cleveland thinking, hey, uh, since I'm not able to work because of this strike, let me just see if I can make up some extra change. And I drove to Cleveland thinking that, you know, I can at least get some solid work, some deliveries done with DoorDash. And they don't pay you shit. If there's going to be a strike, there needs to be a strike here at DoorDash of Ohio. They give you $2 per delivery. And the people in Cleveland don't fucking tip. Yeah, I I strongly vote against door dashing in Ohio. Don't do it, kids. It's definitely not worth it. It's a waste of gas, waste of time, waste of money. So, delivering two... Made two deliveries, made $4. Texas, they pay you a lot more. They pay you $5 at least per... And then peak periods, peak hours, you can probably make, hell, between 6 to $8 a delivery. Before tips. Two deliveries, man. Well, the first delivery was to a school. I, I delivered a pizza to a school. And the other one was I delivered some Chipotle to like, it looked like the Evans building in good times. It it was like the ghetto-ist of apartment buildings. It looks like it hasn't been renovated since the 60s. Both deliveries were on East Cleveland. It was uh, where Bone is from, that area, East 99. Yeah. And I I saw an article, I don't know, you gotta question the credibility of these articles, but this article said that Cleveland has been ranked the worst city to live in based on quality of living. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised. You got people living in ratty ass honeymooners apartments. You got DoorDash drivers that are only making $2 per delivery. Just trying to make ends meet, man. So, trying to deliver pizza to the kids little motherfuckers I'm gonna start saying that too I'm 36 I can start talking like hey you little motherfuckers you little motherfuckers don't know shit yeah you little motherfucking niggas you little motherfuckers y'all don't know nothing about no music you little motherfuckers what you know about this Grover Washington motherfucker listen to some 107.3 the wave yeah you little motherfuckers I'm 36 you little motherfuckers take this pizza little niggas better tip in the 
the latest Antonio Brown news, according to ESPN, Antonio Brown's battles will shift from social media to the legal variety. Brown is the first player in NFL history poised to file nine grievances and appeals during the same time period, league sources told ESPN. Brown's nine appeals and grievances will be a legal battle to try to recoup as much of the 61 plus million that he believes is owed to him. The grievances and appeals involve the following issues and sums of money. The fine appeals with the Oakland Raiders, which was 215000 Salary guarantees with Oakland, $29 million. Signing bonus with the Raiders, $1 million. Oakland's unpaid week one salary, 860000 New England Patriots salary guarantee, $1 million. Patriots signing bonus of $9 million. Patriots unpaid week three salary of 64000 and the Patriots option year in 2020, which was $20 million. As if that wasn't enough, if the NFL disciplines Brown and suspends him, which is well within the realm of possibility, Brown could appeal that as well, which would make him the first player in NFL history to have nine different appeals generated from one season. Brown again made headlines with his social media activity Saturday when he traded jabs with Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield on Twitter. He also took shots at Patriots owner Robert Kraft and former Pittsburgh Steelers teammate Ben Roethlisberger as part of a Twitter tirade last Sunday morning. Brown, who has been accused of sexual assault and sexual misconduct by two different women, was released by the Patriots last week, making him an unrestricted pre-agent eligible to sign with any team. The NFL is conducting investigation into these allegations. Man, Antonio Brown, if you don't sit your ass down somewhere, bruh, you really just couldn't avoid controversy and drama. You think teams want to put up with this in an era where we have a black quarterback who can't find work all because he kneeled. He stood on one knee. That's it. He spoke out on something. He stood out on a knee and because of that, he can't find work. Wow. You're over here pulling your piece out, jacking off on, on trainers' backs, on their necks. The NFL is a business. They have an image they have to protect. The National Football League already has a campaign set in place where they speak out on domestic violence. And you think good old Roger Goodell is going to let your little cheese-eating ass get in the way of his message, of his company, of his brand? Antonio Brown, have several seats, sir. You've had multiple tries, multiple chances. Colin Kaepernick cannot be the starting quarterback on any NFL team currently. Not because the man can't play, but because the man took a knee. Meanwhile, you're skeet-skeeting on backs. Just being a big-ass, grown fucking kid. And, you know, usually we're in support of people getting the bag. Gotta get the bag. Go get the bag. But you can't even fucking secure it, man. Because you're fumbling before you even get to the bag. As soon as you got to Oakland, you showed your ass. Only for them to let you go. As soon as you got to New England, all these allegations come up, man. Dude, you're not ready to be a celebrity. Who is in your corner? Because they don't give a fuck about you, Antonio Brown. Whoever it is. They're not real. They're allowing you to dye half your mustache blonde, go out here with these little first world problems, complaining about not being able to wear your helmet. 
I can't wear my helmet, boo the hell, man? You think any general manager, any team owner wants to deal with your shit? Of all the sports, of all the professional sports, the football owners are notorious for trying to set an example. If Antonio Brown ever gets a chance to lace up for another NFL team, man, somebody up above loves him. The Dallas Cowboys play tonight. They play them Saints tonight in the NBC game. They play in New Orleans. Let's let's make it 4-0, Cowboys. Those Browns beat up on the Ravens 40-25 in Baltimore, and I'm proud of them for it. And those Buckeyes, 48-7 against Nebraska in Nebraska. Yeah. O-H. Today in sports history, in 1914, the Boston Braves, who were in last place in mid-July, clinched the NL pennant. In 1915, the Philadelphia Phillies clinched their first pennant. In 1920, Babe Ruth sets a then-home run season record at 54. In 1941, Joe Louis TKO's Lou Nova in six rounds for the heavyweight boxing title. On that same day, millions jammed downtown Brooklyn to cheer the NL champ Dodgers in a parade. In 1945, Chicago Cubs clinched the NL pennant with a record of 98 and 56. 1946, the first time NL pennant ends in a tie between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. And on that same day, the Los Angeles Rams play their first game in LA after relocating from Cleveland. In 1947, a record World Series crowd of 73,365 at the Yankee Stadium. In 1952, Stan Musial makes his only major league pitching appearance. In 1954, Willie Mays makes his famous over-the-shoulder catch in Game 1 of the World Series. In 1956, Yankees Mickey Mantle hits his 52nd home run of the season. In 1963, the Cardinals celebrate Stan Musial Day in St. Louis for Stan Musial's final game, where he hits his 3,629th and his 3,630th hit. 1968, Carl Yastrzemski wins his second straight batting crown with 300 average. 1969, Steve O'Neill of the New York Jets kicks the longest NFL punt, 98 yards versus Denver. In 1976, Tommy Lasorda replaces Walter Austin as Los Angeles Dodgers manager. In 1977, Eva Shane is the first woman to referee a heavyweight championship title match. In that title match was Muhammad Ali beating Ernie Shavers in 15 rounds for the heavyweight boxing title. 1983, Oakland A's Mike Warren no-hits Chicago White Sox 3-zip. 1985, Houston quarterback Warren Moon is sacked for an NFL tying record 12 times by them Dallas Cowboys. 1986, Cleveland Indian Jay Bell is the 10th player in history to hit a home run on the first major league pitch he sees. And on that same day, Mary Lou Retton retires as a gymnast. 1987, New York Yankee Don Mattingly hits for a record sixth Grand Slam of the year. In 1988, American sprinter Florence Griffith Joyner sets women's 200-meter world record of 21.34. On that same day, American athlete Jackie Joyner Kersey wins her second gold medal of the Seoul Olympics by taking the long jump with an Olympic record leap of 7.4 meters. Also on that same day, the U.S. men's basketball team beat Australia 78-49 to take home the bronze medal at the Seoul Olympics. This is the last time the U.S. is represented by a team that doesn't feature NBA players. 
And also on that same day, the U.S. retained women's basketball title at the Olympics with a 77-70 win over Yugoslavia. Star guard Teresa Edwards top scorers for the Americans with 18 points. In 1992, the Atlanta Braves win their second straight NL West title. Also on that same day, Magic Johnson announced his return to play basketball, although he ultimately would not return. In 1994, the first phase of O.J. Simpson murder trial jury selection ends with 304 chosen. 1995, the trial for O.J. Simpson is sent to the jury. 1996, the Baltimore Orioles end the season with a record of 257 home runs as Brady Anderson becomes the 14th player to hit for 50 home runs. In 1996, on that same day, Houston Astros retired Nolan Ryan's number 34. In 2002, Seattle running back Sean Alexander sets NFL record for most touchdowns in a half with five in the first half, 48-23 win versus the Minnesota Vikings at Seahawks Stadium. He ran for four and caught for an 80-yard reception. Last year, the New York Yankees second baseman Gleber Torres smashes a two-run homer in 8-5 win versus Boston at Fenway Park, the Yankees record MLB record of 265 homer of the season. Giancarlo Stanton adds 266 in the seventh inning. And that was my half-assed sports report. On this day in 1985, the show MacGyver debuted. It ran from 1985 to 1992, starring Richard Dean Anderson. The show follows secret agent Angus MacGyver, who works as a troubleshooter for the fictional Phoenix Foundation in Los Angeles and as an agent for a fictional United States government agency, the Department of External Services. Educated as a scientist in physics, MacGyver served in the U.S. Army Special Forces as a bomb team technician during the Vietnam War. The title character didn't like guns after a friend of his died in a revolver accident when he was a child, preferring to solve problems with his intelligence, resourcefulness, and improvised gadgets. He often created devices out of whatever odds and ends were at hand. He solved complex problems using his ever-present Swiss Army knife, duct tape, or even occasional match. He really did put the Mac in MacGyver. More like smack giver, as in laying the smack down giver. Talking about somebody who can take lemons and make lemonade out the motherfuckers. How about he performed surgery on a man using a carjack and windshield cleaner? One time there was an armed suitcase ready to explode, and with 15 minutes left, MacGyver doesn't even try to disarm it, but he instead moves it to an underground vault capable of containing the blast. He deflected bullets from a silver platter. He built gas masks out of garbage. While having to fight on a speeding train, his opponent pointed a gun at him. Thinking fast, he sticks a pin in the gun, preventing it from firing. He then kicks the opponent out of the train, killing him broke out of a maximum security prison using only stolen batteries, prison food, toilet water, newspaper, a decoy bedsheet ladder, and a makeshift ladder. Who the fuck does this? MacGyver, that's who. SmackGyver, laying the smackdown Giver all through that ABC lineup. He defended an embassy from terrorists by making a bazooka using cleaning supplies, pipes, and a statue. A fucking statue. He literally caught lightning in a bottle in order to power a phone to call for help. Talking about thinking on your toes, he does just that while staying 10 toes down. How about that fly shit? MacGyver built a jet-enhanced pickup truck and later used it to extinguish a burning oil well. With a bullet, a pen, and a piece of paper, he built an exploding dart. 
crazy insane the motherfucker made a rocketeer power pack using the strength of water pressure from some hoses <laughs> and one time this fool threw a ninja star at MacGyver MacGyver stopped that ninja star with a wooden gavel dude was always calm like a bomb while making bombs a rattlesnake snuck into his sleeping bag and what does MacGyver do he used heat from the campfire to lure it towards the exit of the tent then calmly grabbed it by the head and removed the rattlesnake a fucking rattlesnake without breaking a sweat just calmly hey venomous snake no big deal that's insane MacGyver smack Giver laying a smack down Giver out of this world man like what you just one of a kind dude man Bill Nye he ain't got shit on you Neil deGrasse Tyson psh, who the fuck is that Mr. Wizard psh, more like Mr. Pissard I'm real about this science fiction shit I'm one of the realest I'm MacGyver Y'all better recognize, because when motherfuckers think they were slick, MacGyver catches them slipping. He always stayed three steps ahead of the game, ten toes down. And I'm sure a lot of kids broke shit, burnt shit, or hurt some shit, trying to do some MacGyver shit, almost burned down their house. There's only one MacGyver. There's only one Richard Dean Anderson. And when I realized that the movie A Beautiful Mind wasn't about MacGyver, I got the fuck out of that theater and asked for a refund. You've shown great ingenuity for seven seasons. How Sway? How did he do it? How did he hold it down for 139 episodes plus two TV movies? Because MacGyver had that much drip. Ask ABC. When we come back, we're going to go across the lines with Dobie Gillis and Zach Morris. After these messages, we'll be right black. In today's birthdays, happy 31st birthday to Kevin Durant. Actually, fuck his birthday. Fuck him too. Happy 34th birthday to former Lions wide receiver Calvin Megatron Johnson. Former Cleveland Indian Shelly Duncan turns 40. Also, former, former Cleveland Indian Jake Westbrook turns 42 today. Japanese wrestler and trainer Yoshihiro Tajiri turns 49. Also 49 is Canadian comedian, actor, and producer Russell Peters. American singer, songwriter, and producer Devontae Swang Swang of the group Jodeci turns 50. Retired back. Basketball player Hershey Hawkins is 53 today. Retired basketball player Brad Lojas turns 55. American bass player, singer, songwriter, producer, frontman for the group Primus, Les Claypool is 56. Coming straight out of Dayton, Ohio, is the former Chicago Bull and three-time, three-time, three-time champion John Paxson. He turns 59 today. American journalist and sportscaster Bryant Gumbel is 71 years old today. And singer, songwriter, pedo, pianist, Jerry Lee Lewis turns 84 today. Happy birthday, guys. Except for Kevin Durant. Fuck his birthday. Are you tired of being called the beanpole? Are you mad at your memories? Have they been mistaken for mosquito bites? Does your push-up bra need a push-up bra? Too embarrassed to wear a bikini at the beach because everyone will think you're a boy in drag? 
To that I say, OBG, why are you allowing yourself to suffer when the Itty Bitty Titty Committee is here to help you? IBTC is an outreach program dedicated to providing counseling and therapy sessions for women who weren't gifted with guns. For those who really want implants but can't afford them at the moment. In the meantime, we'll boost your confidence with affirmation training, gymnastic therapy, and group hugs. Micromastia is no laughing matter. It has become one of the leading factors of stress for women aged 25 to 40 in the last eight days. Stress can lead to depression, and as we know, depression can get the breast of us. You're not the only one with lowercase a cups. There's a whole community out there ready and available to help you in your time of need. Call 1-800-419-IBTC. On the next episode of Booty and Fight in Atlanta, this bitch pours a drink on that hoe when she finds out they're fucking the same nigga. Tune in to VH1's Booty and Fight in Atlanta, a show filled with cattiness, rattiness, fake tits, fake boobs, wigs, weaves, and most importantly, niggas. VH1's Booty and Fight in Atlanta. Yesterday, me and my brother went to the shooting range in Lorraine, (laughs) and then it rained. He has an AR-15, and boy, do we let that thing go. Cha-chow, 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 cha-chow. On September 29, 1959, 60 years ago today, the sitcom The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis premiered on CBS. The series revolved around teenager Dobie Gillis, who aspired to have popularity, money, and the attention of beautiful and unattainable girls. He did not have any of these qualities in abundance, and the tiny crisis surrounding Dobie's lack of success made the story in each weekly episode. Fast forward to September 29, 1990. The show Saved by the Bell is in its second season, airing the episode Driver's Education. A.C. Slater turns 16 in a week, and he already has his own car. All of his friends are excited about him getting his driver's license. All of them except for his friend, Zach Morris. And that leads us to Across the Lines. He would step across the line. Habitually. He's a habitual line stepper. Line stepper. Fearing that Kelly would rather go steady with Slater if he learned to drive first, Zach plots to make Slater fail his driver's training. This leads Slater having an accident in the practice car and a locker falling on Kelly. When she realizes who was behind the crash, she makes out her injury to be worse than it really is. She plays it up as if she has amnesia and she doesn't even remember Zach. And the rest of the gang is in on the joke. This is just one of Zach's many schemes that would backfire on him throughout the series. Zachary Morris is a charming schemer who often breaks the fourth wall by addressing the audience, sometimes temporarily freezing all the characters around him in the process by calling time out. Although he has a flair for business, he gets poor grades in most subjects, and he displays a lack of interest in school altogether. He's one of the most popular students at Bayside High, and his many girls crushes. But the girl of Zach's dreams is Kelly Kapowski, the brunette cheerleader of Bayside High. Throughout the first two seasons, Zach and his on-again, off-again best friend A.C. Slater fought over Kelly's affections. 
Just like Zach Morris, Dobie Gillis proved to be a poor student and an aimless drifter. He also breaks the fourth wall from time to time to address the viewing audience. In fact, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis was the first sitcom to break the fourth wall, long before Zach did it on Saved by the Bell, long before Ferris Bueller. From 1959 to 1963, Dobie Gillis laid the blueprint for teenage mischief. Like the time him and his best friend Maynard stole the mascot of a rival school's football team, Zach and his friends would also do that when they stole their rival school Valley's mascot. Zach constantly conspired to make Kelly Kapowski his girlfriend, just like Dobie constantly conspired to make Thalia Menninger his girlfriend. When the hot new nurse started working at Bayside, Zach played sick so that he can get to know her better. And to win sympathy for the pretty nurse at his school, Dobie pretends to be deathly ill. Zach Morris and Dobie Gillis will stop at nothing to impress the girl they want. When Dobie wanted to impress Daphne Root, he started working for her father's shoe store. Zach wanted to impress Stacy Carosi when he worked for her father at the beach. Needless to say, Dobie Gillis was Zach Morris before Zach Morris. That was across the lines. Today in entertainment history, these are some of the shows that debuted on September 29th. In 1953, Make Room for Daddy, later retitled The Danny Thomas Show. 1959, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. 1960, My Three Sons. 1963, My Favorite Martian. 1969, Love American Style. 1976, The Sitcom Alice. 1985, MacGyver. 1986, Designing Women. In 1987, The Show 30 Something. 1993, Grace Under Fire. And in 2010, Law and Order Los Angeles premieres. Now, this portion of the show is where we show appreciation to our haters. Hi, haters. article by the Daily Mail, the white Hollywood costume designer who launched into a racist tirade at a California CVS claims that she was intoxicated when she shouted about how she wanted to kill niggers. Heather Patton, 49, updated her Instagram bio to ask that she not be contacted and offered an apology for her racist actions. She also revealed she had been fired. I was intoxicated and I sincerely apologize to everyone whom I disrespected and let down by my actions, the Los Angeles resident said. Please forgive me. Patton's bio update comes a day after she was criticized for a shocking video that showed her launching into a racist rant at the Eagle Rock CVS on September 24th. Costume designer also took to her Instagram story to apologize more and share that she was fired from her job. I hope the world knows we all as human beings have all made mistakes and gratefully regretted them later in life, she said. I as a human made the choice to say some words that I should have never let come out of my mouth. Patton continued, African Americans helped build this very country that I am living in and I hate that I insulted the millions of them. Costume designer then stated that she was let go from her job before asking for a chance to rekindle the love we shall all share amongst each other. Patton's disturbing rant was captured on cell phone video on September 24th and shows the white woman wearing sunglasses jumping up and down as she spews obscenities and proclaims, I hate niggers. 
According to Patton's IMDb page and resume, she has worked on various films and TV series for more than 20 years, including spy thriller The Americans. The one-minute clip begins with Patton jumping in the Eagle Rock CVS's entrance shouting, I hate niggers. A woman filming follows her and says, yeah, she's on drugs or something. And she responds, no, I just hate niggers. Fuck you niggers. I would kill a nigger, but the law says I can't kill the niggers. If the law didn't say that, I couldn't kill the niggers, they'd all be dead. She screams in reply. A man passes her and says, come on lady, take a break. The woman behind the phone says, it's okay, we're calling the cops right now. The Patton, dressed in all black, walks to her car and taunts, here's my license plate number, unashamed of the fact she was being filmed. Then before getting into her Honda SUV, which was parked in the handicapped reserve spot, she bellowed at the top of her lungs, nigger, nigger, nigger. A CVS customer reported the disturbing rant on Wednesday. A woman who claimed she was at CVS during the obscenity says that it was unprovoked. It was quiet in CVS, and then someone just yelled the N-word, and then it was quiet again. And then that woman started screeching racist stuff towards a black woman. There was no buildup or prior altercation. Renee Saldana tweeted Wednesday in reply to the viral video. She added that witnesses saw Patton driving erratically and at one point on the wrong side of the road. There were two shoppers who saw her drive up and said she was driving erratically when she parked. When the woman took off after the rant, she was speeding west on Colorado, driving on the wrong side of the street. Other frightened customers kept saying she could kill someone, Saldana added. According to Patton's neighbor, who was identified by just his first name, Tony, she has a long history of abrasive and racist behavior. Tony, who lives next door to Patton in Mount Washington, says she has attacked his own family and yelled racial slurs at them. Tony is of Italian descent. Her and her husband have been behaving dishearteningly with our neighbors. We had to file restraining orders against her for wanting to threaten us, assault us. They were yelling racial slurs at us like, go back to your country, Tony said to KTLA. He even shared some security camera video footage with the local news station showing a man and a woman physically fighting and shouting at each other, alleged to be Patton and her husband. A rep for CVS said Patton was kicked out of the store. Heather, the nigga hating Patton. Paula, is that your people? Is this your cousin? Third cousin on the white side of the game? Heather, the nigga hating Patton. Since you freely, outward, and openly want to use the N-word, with the ER, mind you, out in public, in broad daylight, I'm just gonna call you Honky Patton throughout the rest of this skit, throughout the rest of this segment, Honky Patton. Let's say you did kill all the niggers here. You know what would happen, Honky Patton? This would be a boring-ass country. Your ass ain't smart, but your ass ain't that dumb either. She is well aware of the fact that black people have built this fucking country from the ground up. Honky Patton, I really don't know what this country be like without my fellow blacks. And to be honest, you don't either. Be a lot of mayo sandwiches and unseasoned chicken. Black people, aren't you tired of always accepting people's apologies? This time, this black person is saying no. Fuck your apology, Honky Patton. You lost your job, <laughs> good bitch. Thank you for losing your job. Hopefully, a black person can take those jobs. I love when stuff like that happens. Honky Patton, don't you like karma? I love karma, Honky Patton. Let's just hope that she's blacklisted from the industry altogether, huh? How, how, about, how about some poetic justice, huh, for the culture, yeah. So thank you for totally fumbling those jobs, those roles that you have. 
just so that could open up the job market for the next man or woman. And if they're black, <laughs> that makes it even better. Heather, nigga Hayden Patton, meet Steve, the honky Hayden Garrett. It's a good thing she put out that disclaimer that she doesn't want to be contacted for her actions. <laughs> yeah, so here at Over the Culture, we say fuck that disclaimer. And last I checked, her Twitter was still active, her Instagram was still active, and it's Heather Lynn Patton, spelled out H-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-P-A-T-T-O-N. Feel free, ask away any questions off the top of your head. Yes, sir, that's Heather Lynn Patton. And I'm sure at this point her account is private, but who cares? Let's badger her to death. Let's make her hate life. I mean, she already hates niggas, right? <laughs> let's, let's try our best. Make Heather hate life. Make Heather hate life. Thank you, Heather. Fuck you, Heather. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out. Alright, that wraps up this week's edition of Over the Culture Podcast, you little motherfuckers. Alright, y'all be cool. Peace. Ohio!